Welcome to the Quilting Company Podcast, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Carrie Sisk. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Tracy Mooney. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking about how quilters follow their passion, both personally and professionally. First, we'll be talking to Karen Gibbs, the design director for Banyan Batiks by Northcott, about how her passion feeds her business. Then we move into our open studio segment to discuss how our passion has influenced our lives and careers. Finally, we'll end with a quick conversation about machine quilting versus hand quilting. So we just had a long uh, holiday weekend. And I'm wondering, Lori and Tracy, did you pet any fabric this weekend? I did. You did. I finished a quilt top. Nice. Oh, you are such an overachiever. (laughs) She always is like that. Man, whatever. (laughs) See, we have kids. But I did pet fabric over the weekend. I actually started a quilt this weekend. Yay. Yay. You guys, I don't even want to talk about my own sad situation. Did you not pet any fabric? Nothing. Nothing? Not oh, a thing. I'm so oh. sorry, Carrie. I know. It's awful. I looked at it from afar as I threw a load of laundry into the washing machine. <laughs> I feel ya. I feel ya. Some days are like that. Yes, they are indeed. <laughs> so when we're talking about uh, Karen Gibbs, who gets to pet fabric all the time because she designs some fabrics for Banyan Batiks, correct? That's correct. Okay. So she has a wonderful story about how she started out and wound up moving to Colorado because she'd been here and she loved it. Mm. She's a wonderful designer. I think it's going to be a great conversation. All right. So let's listen to your conversation. So basically, I, I want to start with knowing where you came from. What did you do before you worked for Banyan Batiks? Where's, where did it all start? Well, for me, my quilting journey started actually when I was, um, I was designing sweaters. You know, those, those cool Christmas sweaters with the pumpkins or the, you know, Halloween, I mean, or um, the Santa Clauses and stuff like that. They're coming back now as the ugly sweater parties. <laughs> and that's where I started. I designed those and I designed turtlenecks to, to go with it. And um, every season you would go and shop the market for wovens and knits and then you would um, uh, have to throw those basically fat quarters in the garbage. And I found I had a really love of fabric. So um, I walked into my first quilt shop in Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania at that point, And it was owned by Cindy Hershey, who happened to work for a, another um, fabric company, actually. So it's a full circle now. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and did you... Did you design your own quilt when you first started out, or did you do someone's pattern? How did um, that work? I designed my own because I couldn't follow a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> so I just did my own. And I thought, you know, this would be really cool because I don't want to go back to work at this point. I was um, pregnant, and I wanted to stay home with the kids. So I thought, oh, it would be really cool if I submitted it to a magazine, and they picked it up and published it. And sure enough, you guys did. <laughs> and isn't that <laughs> It was fun? my first pattern. So. Isn't that yeah. fun? And then at one point, I know you were long-arming because you did 
a long arm class for us. Yeah. Tell me about that, too. Well, um, I lived in Saratoga Springs, and um, in Saratoga, it's it's horse season or racing season uh, one month out of the year. And so if people are buying a finished product or a finished quilt with a horse on it, they may order it, but they want it done right away. And, you know, turnaround time for long arm, you just can't, you can't get it done by somebody else. So I bought a long arm. I went out and said, I'm going to do this. And I bought a gamel. And um, then all of a sudden, I was starting to quilt for other people. And, you know, when you get involved with a guild, you become community service director or this director, because you don't sit on your hand long enough, that kind of thing. So the first guild I was at, I um, quilted 238 quilts for community service to practice. And then I had a long-term business. At, in what period of time did you do 200? Well, it was the whole year. Oh, the whole <laughs> yeah, year? it was the whole year. <laughs> and they were quilts that someone else had made? Yeah, they had made them, and then I just quilted them to, um, you know, so we could pass them on for all the charities that uh, we were working with. Mm-hmm. That's a cool story. I love it. <laughs> so tell me... Tell me how you feel like your passion for fabric and quilting works into your ordinary life, your ordinary life. Well, it it's such a community, I think. I mean, just like here, I just came uh, down the street. Um, our studio, Banyan Batik Studio, is right down the street from you guys. We're all a community, and um, I can go anywhere in the country and find other quilters, other guilds, and just feel like I belong. And what I, I really liked about that, when I first started quilting, I had little kids at home, and you feel very isolated. Right. And it's just, it's just so wonderful to have have that community behind you. Oh my gosh, my kid was up all night. What do I do? You know, that kind of thing. So to me, it was it was mixing being a mom and also my love of color and creativity and textiles and um, marrying it into one. Yeah. Isn't that, it, it's fun how that can happen, uh, particularly in the art world where we can make that passion be something we can also make a living at yes and there's you know there's so many of us who have done that in the quilting industry i think it's the quilting industry has totally given us a voice um and and it's wonderful i agree i have a a little bit more one of the things that you said that i think is fun for everyone listening to know why did you decide to move to golden colorado (laughs) Well, I, um, I with this long arm thing, I decided it'd be kind of fun to shoot a video about um, how to quilt everyday quilts on the long arm. You know those quilts that you're sending off to college or something like that. Maybe they're not show quilts. And I filmed some videos out here in Golden with you guys. And um, I brought my daughter out. And your team was so nice. They allowed her to be my stylist and to sit in and learn from them what goes into making long arm videos. And then at the end of the day, she would make sure we got out in Golden and, and looked around and that kind of thing. And so when I was allowed to do Banyan Batiks and establish a design studio, um, they told me I could do it wherever I wanted to, and I picked Golden. Yeah. I think that's really fun. <laughs> yeah. I really do. One more step. I want to know about – tell me what led to the the job at Banyan Batiks. 
Cool. Well, um, Northcott was looking to get into boutiques. And as you know, um, boutiques, um, it's a saturated market. There's a lot of other companies that are producing boutiques. And what they liked is I had a lot of versatility. I had done a lot of different things in the industry, um, had a lot of different opportunities, and they just wanted to be different. And they said, can you make a boutique that is different? And so that's our challenge. We design boutiques by collection. I do different kinds of designs. I challenge um, techniques over in, in Indonesia. Um, it's tying Indonesia with the quilting industry. If you think of a small industry um, over there, it's it's grandfathered in. Uh, their family did it kind of like you learned your, your quilting from your grandmother. Um, so it really ties in beautifully to quilting. And it's, it's communicating that. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I really love that. Um, so... One of the things that I find uh, as a professional in the industry is that sewing time's limited. Uh, How often do you get to actually make something for you that you want to do? Um, when a quilt shop owner calls me and says, we have a, a one spot open on a retreat, get your butt up here. <laughs> that happens Sunday. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. So when do you get to go uh, sewing for you? How soon is the retreat? Um, that was, Well, that was this last Sunday. I went to Quilter's oh, okay. Dream. And then um, I have friends in the Quilt Guild in Estes, and um, they make sure I go to that retreat every year. Yeah. So it's one of those things that you actually book the time for. I, I book the time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because it's all this fabric sitting in front of you, and you want to use it, and you want to try it, and you want to see how it works. Um, but the thing is, when I'm designing a collection, I have to know how it's going to work into a quilt. Right. I have to know that, yes, this is going to be a great project, or this collection is going to work really great for a bag, or it's going to be a garment, or, or something like that, because what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I find that when I'm handling fabric all the time, one of my lines that I use a lot is I really need to go home and sew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have I have a sewing machine at the office and we try and take a half an hour every day to to do that because I'm trying to teach my assistant to get that passion as far as quilting. Yes. And then when we're stressed, we actually go for a hike. That's, oh. that's our meeting, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's really a fun thing. A half an hour a day that you you yeah. purpose to sew at the office. Yes. I think that should be required in our industry, don't you? I think that's a good idea. <laughs> a really good <laughs> idea. So if you're making quilts those rare occasions, do you get to quilt them yourself? I did. I always quilted my own because I had the long arm. Um, now I'm very grateful to send them to a long armor. I left my long arm in New York. Um, my kids were so happy to load it into a U-Haul van for a friend of mine and say, you're done, Mom. Um, <laughs> we're not bringing it with us. Um, so I, I'm very pleased to give it to a to long armor. To send, send it out. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and... Anything else you want to tell us about that that line between professional and personal quilting kinds of things? I don't it's very hard to differentiate, I think. 
Isn't that the truth? It's really, really hard because, you know, sometimes um, uh, one of my kids will slip and they'll say, okay, so you're going on vacation? I'm like, uh, I'm going to Quilt Market. <laughs> How is that vacation? <laughs> well, or I find when I'm designing quilts anymore, I'm, I'm usually shooting for a specific kind of quilt for a magazine but I think now how can I make that something that one of my children will like or how can I make it to fit this wall in my home even though it's actually for a magazine I it, I my thinking has skewed just a little bit it has to though and and everything you take in you have as a creative person you have to be um, very careful as far as what you're taking in because that's what's going to show up in the designs or you know we have a collection called ride on right now um, with Vanyan boutiques and it's all about bikes huh I wonder where I got that from. I wonder. You know? <laughs> so it's it's always influenced your your what you bring into your life uh, influences your design and your creativity. I think that's important, and that's an important story to see with every project designer, every quilter out there, what their story is within their project. And and if you look frequently, you can say. Oh, I know that style. That must be so and so's quilt. Mm-hmm. Isn't that true? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's I think it's a lot of fun um, watching the modern quilt movement move along. I mean, I feel they gave me a voice because I was not a born and raised traditional quilter. I liked all the technique that went into it, but I like to try new things basically because I couldn't fo- follow a pattern. <laughs> but I like that the modern uh, movement came along and they're starting to to get into the different like the plaids and the you know applique on the plaid and and I find that fascinating because it's like it's it all comes around yes you know, yes it does the lines are not so defined anymore um, it's really fun to see that yeah and so encouraging anyone and everyone to take up the uh, up quilting and I think is really important mm-hmm. one of the things that I I work really hard at when I'm talking with new quilters is not to show them too many rules. Yeah. I think it's fun to let them explore and if they want to know a specific technique, I'm happy to teach them. Right. But but yeah. let them try new. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times we get stuck in our, in our thinking that we can't mix batiks with cotton. Well, it's all cotton. Exactly. You know, I mean, look at the Victorian quilts. They were all different kinds of fabrics. So right. why couldn't we? Um, my third quilt I made, though, it's not a good idea to mix wool flannel and cotton flannel and try and wash it. You Doesn't know work. that. Uh, <laughs> from experience, yes. <laughs> but but you have a valid point. Yes, batiks and, and other quilting cottons work together wonderfully you can get some great looks yes yeah i think i think it's um you you look at the different concepts of the batiks usually they're very bright and 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 how do you incorporate that with a more traditional kind of palette but they they're evolving into um a lot of different palettes as well yes yeah yeah great fun karen i'm so glad you joined us today i really appreciate your time with us anything else no, I think that's it. i got to get back to sketching. And, do you, uh, and next designing. time you need coffee, you know, let me know. I'm down the street. All right, we'll do that. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for Lord. joining us. <laughs> I think it can speak for each of us when I say that we're passionate about quilting. Agreed? Oh, yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's explore how this passion has influenced our lives and or, well, 
and no or our careers. <laughs> um, I think Lori might have some things to talk about in that regard. What do you think? <laughs> so I've been a seamstress as long as I can remember. Um, and primarily my focus until, well, I didn't start quilting until 1994 f- for more than four or five quilts. I was sewing garments. Um, and at one point in time, um, after I made a wonderful, wonderful christening gown for my granddaughter, I decided that I'd really like to travel and teach. So I took a class from the sewing store that I frequented, and the purpose of taking the class was to let them know that I was out there. And I wound up getting hired like within three weeks. Um, (laughs) So then I'm traveling and teaching for Foff Sewing Machines and having a ball, and then the economy crashed in in 2008, and my job just kind of dried up because nobody... Nobody was buying expensive sewing machines, so there was no point in me going to their store. Um, and then uh, one of my friends uh, that I'd worked with sent me an email one day, and she said, I think this is you, and it was a link to the Craigslist posting for a job here with F&W. And um, as I was traveling and teaching um, I was teaching quilters, so I started doing a lot more quilts. So I'm doing at that point as I'm traveling and teaching like maybe half and half quilts and garments. Well, then I moved here, and golly, I get mm-hmm. to explore all the quilting things and have a ball. Well, so, and you have a public school a history as a teacher for the I public have, school yes. system. So, yes. I'm, I mean, it just ties right into oh, yeah. your teaching. Yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. And very. you're an excellent teacher, by the way. Just, Thank you. Again, what I learned from Lori. <laughs> so, Tracy, what about you? So, I started quilting around 91, 92, and very quickly became completely obsessed. And so that, to me, meant... I was watching every show on TV. I was reading every book that came out that I could get my hands on at the library or it buy if I really thought that I loved it. I was reading every magazine. And I remember seeing in in the magazines there were certain jobs that I thought, ooh, that would be really cool to have, like people who did color options or people who did the book reviews. And um, – Yet, I didn't have a journalism background. I didn't think I could write <laughs> at all. And so um, so around 2008, around the same time, the economy's crashing. Um, but the, the blog bubble is coming up. And I see an ad in Craigslist, too, which I thought was funny, um, Lori. Um, but I saw an ad for um, a technology company that was looking for – um, people to mess up computers essentially and blog about it. So you were supposed to go looking for spam on the internet. And during that time, I um, started doing this, and I you were supposed to blog every day. And at the end of the time frame, the month, you got to keep the computer. They cleaned it for you and all that. And you got to keep 
a brand new laptop computer and you got paid like a stipend of I forget how much. This sounds like the perfect job for anybody. This was, man, I want this job. I actually (laughs) didn't think it was real. No Um, kidding. And, but I was the first person they chose. Now, my background is in performing arts. So I went to performing arts high school. I went to school for acting for college and film. And I've been media trained and all that. And uh, they would get interviews with like the San Francisco Chronicle and and things like that. And very quickly in that month, realized I was their go-to person. So the end of that month, they hired me as their chief cybersecurity mom. And I had a part-time job. I was making a ton of money. Hmm. And I was traveling and writing and over had that job for five years. And over that period of time, I realized I could write. So meanwhile, I make friends with someone online who's actually working for F&W at the time for um, Quilter's Home. And we became friends online. And then she started working for the magazine full time. And I emailed her one day and asked her, who writes the book reviews? And she said, oh, we do that in-house. And I was like, oh, okay. So Quilter's Home closes. The two of the the people who had been working on Quilter's Home decided they were going to open up an independent magazine, which was Generation Q magazine. And they called me after a short period of time when they were going to do their first quilt market. And they invited me to come to quilt market and help out in the booth told me, knew my job had just ended. So she said, bring some resumes and you can go and network and meet people and maybe you can get a job. Within 24 hours, I had the job with Gen Q. And I sure have a lot of job luck. See, but see, I'm that kind of person. So I'm always looking for lucky opportunities, I think. I just always try and look on the bright side and I always look for things that might present themselves to Mm -hmm. me and say, yeah, you're nay and... If usually if I say yes, it's a good thing. Yeah. Right? So um, basically, Jake and Melissa taught me everything I know about being an editor. I worked my way up from doing book reviews um, and designing projects for kids to sew all the way up to senior editor. Hmm. And then um, Jen Q shuttered a little over a year ago, about a year and a half ago. And one of my friends from Jen Q <laughs> told me that F&W had – two positions open. Mm-hmm. She had already applied and she was like, you need to send your resume. And I'm like, you already sent it in. Like, I'm not going to compete with you. Yeah. It's fine. Just send it in. So she basically shoved me through the door and the rest is history. Nice. I applied thinking maybe they'd give me a job like working remotely and writing some articles or something like that because I was living in Illinois. And within a very short period of time, I was being flown out here and asked to move here. And are you still friends with that person? (laughs) I am. We actually still talk about it sometimes because she, um, she brings it up every once in a while. I think for a little while she was maybe, maybe regretting it, Uh but then she's really been very happy for me. Yes. Well, it worked out. I'm glad you're here. I like you. I like you too. (laughs) Aww. (laughs) Well, for me, um, my my story is a little different because I started working here before I knew anything about quilting. 
And so my passion actually came about as I learned from the people around me. And I, um, as I've talked about before, you know, I started in the video department. And so the people that would come in were very talented. And you know what else really drove it home for me was the attitude behind the people that would come in. So the people that I was meeting were extremely welcoming, very nice, wanted to teach others Mm -hmm. and build a stronger community. And it was just very welcoming, very um, inclusive and made me want to learn more. And it was super interesting to watch. So I got to see so many cool techniques, all of these tips, all of these, you know, when we have tips that we offer our readers, it's like I... I get to see that all the time, you know, so I know exactly where they are and where I can find them. Um, just really cool stuff. And so that really helped to kind of mold my passion um, and create a knowledge base for my experience to grow from. And getting all this information from all of you on a regular basis and seeing what you create, talk about inspiring. I mean, it's like you see all these amazing quilts come through this place. The amazing patterns come through this place, the designs, the colors, the fabrics. Um, You know, like we do one, I can't, is it in Love of Quilting? I can't remember which publication it is, where it's the tried and true. I think it might've been Love of Quilting. It was a tried and tried and true at the very end of a pattern, and it would be a different colorway. So you could see how your block turn. You know, if it was like crazy bright pinks and blues, how it would look in kind of more like earth tones. And so I just thought that was so cool. And like, what a neat little like window into somebody's you know imagination. So it's just being surrounded by all this stuff that has really prompted me to run down to my basement when I get home while my kids are napping. Right. And Mm -hmm. so my brain's out. Right. (laughs) So yeah, it's been it's been a really neat experience. So did you have any sewing experience before you got here at all? I believe there is a sewing machine in my parents' attic that my dad will bring down from time to time to mend something Mm. but he's the kind of dude that like rips the sleeves off of his shirts because they're uncomfortable (laughs) so there's not much mending happening (laughs) it has to be fairly desperate before you mend. yep yeah like yeah (laughs) so um he he's the sewer of the family if that means anything to you okay so no I had zero, nothing. I mean, and, you know, like where I grew up and my friends, there was no culture, like a quilting culture or sewing culture or anything like that. Um, So, yeah, it's just been a a total weird lifestyle upheaval for me Mm. in a really cool way. Right. It's been really exciting. I've loved every minute of it. But I never, ever expected in, you know, the most of my, you know, life that this would ever be a part of my life so it's it's just been really it's almost like a weird it's a fictional story right you know like who would have thought yeah like i'm making it up (laughs) (laughs) and i think when i you know post about things on my facebook page you know about our podcast or about quilting um my friends don't have any idea what i'm talking about (laughs) right (laughs) what who is this person right so yeah it's been really neat 
Um, so yeah, you know, there's there's plenty of ways for us to express express our passion for quilting, as we've heard. You know, we have different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we've come at it from many different places. We've been doing it for many different um, years. Mm-hmm. You two much longer than me, but um, I feel like I've packed a lot in. Yes. In, oh, yes, you in have. The five years I've been. Especially having small kids, you certainly have. Yeah, that's a total challenge. That's like its own podcast. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It sure is. Oh, my gosh. But like I said in episode one, bringing people together and supporting one another through quilts is one of my most favorite things about quilting. So I hesitate to bring this topic up in fear (laughs) that it may be a division Mm. in our quilting community. Machine or hand quilting? Okay, I want to. <laughs> I want to start on this one. Um, so this I, is our fine finishes segment. Yes. So this is where we get crazy, <laughs> and and you get to hear the truth about me, uh-huh. and that is, I do not. A, I I don't like to do handwork. It takes too long. And I can't see well enough to do it close to perfect. I mean, it's way far from perfect. So I don't hand quilt. I did quilt two quilts when I first started by hand in a big quilting frame that my that was my grandmother's. That's too cool. Um, I love this. Do you still have that? I do not. It's one of those. I mean, where I do you can't put it? believe that I let go of that quilting frame i can't believe it but i did but my quilt was double knit polyester and i'm trying to hand quilt it good golly (laughs) (laughs) lori really really tracy had to curb her expletive right there i did (laughs) i did perhaps if i tried it again with Something less challenging <laughs> than think? polyester double, <laughs> double knit. It might be better. Well, you'd never be cold. Oh, no. And oh, it, no. I still have one of the quilts because it's never going to wear out. Yeah, it's no kidding. polyester double knit. It's, it's plastic. <laughs> exactly. Essentially, yes. Exactly. Just don't but get it near the fireplace. I do machine quilt now. And in fact, I have a long arm and I'm loving it. And you're really good at it. And and yeah, it mm-hmm. it's coming together fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's okay for me not to hand quilt. But I have to tell you, when I go to quilt shows, some of those hand quilted quilts are just mind boggling. Oh yeah, they're incredible. So I'm interested in this because you mentioned that hand quilting. So. You, I've always been under the impression that you didn't do hand quilting because you found it tedious and boring. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Okay. That's so it. That's to sum it up. But then you kind of implied that you're not very good at it. Oh no. So is are you? <laughs> you not... have to practice at something to mm-hmm. get good right. at it, and I'm not willing to put in the time to practice when I can get it done really nicely on my machine in. Way, way, way less time. I guess that my curiosity is, do you not practice because you don't think you're good at it? Or are you not good at it because you don't want to practice because it's boring? Do you know what I'm saying? Which came first? I'm I'm going to say that that it's because it's boring, I'm not willing to spend the time. I'm on board with that. 
Okay. <laughs> now, I have a question now. So, so back in the day, like even when I started quilting in the 90s, it was hand quilting or nothing. Which you so, love. Which I loved it at the time. I mean, I still – I don't do as much hand sewing as I used to because I just – I have arthritis and it's my hands aren't always great. But I loved it. So – my question to you is, if you made five quilts by 1990, you were already machine quilting those back then? Um, let me see. I started seriously. I, I did like those four or five quilts before then, and they were either hand quilted or quilted in the ditch by machine. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, I mean, wow. who is – there's a man who uses an old singer – like single stitch to do amazing quilting. Do you remember who that is? Uh, Tim, what is it? Tim Latimer. That. Awesome stuff. On, Have you seen this, Tracy? No. On a treadle. Oh. On a treadle. Yeah. Get oh, out. my goodness. It's amazing. See, I know that that has been done because they've actually found like antique quilts that were machine quilted from like the 18, late 1800s. But that just boggles my mind. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to show you yeah. what he's yes, done because it's it's crazy that's incredible that's amazing well when you talk about arthritis mm-hmm. i have seen that as a social media manager i've seen that on a lot of facebook posts um people that have arthritis in their hands that have had to give up hand quilting and yes. they loved it so much right but what they discovered was that they also learned to love machine quilting it's just that you have to get past the i don't know what i'm doing part even though I knew a whole lot about what I was doing before. That's the struggle. Right. Yes, I agree. And I also, I, I can relate to what Lori was talking about with Karen, about when you when you decide to become, you know, work in a professional environment such as this, in whatever capacity, whether it's working for a fabric company or working in a publication like we do, your time, amount of time that you have to devote to actually sewing things that you want to make is completely diminished. It's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of unfortunate. And I think the perception out there is that we just quilt all day. <laughs> and unfortunately, not that's not true. We're writing all day. We're, you know, doing all different kinds of things. Um, and so for me, I think my biggest stumbling block has been that the periods of time between quilt, quilt tops being needing to be quilted is so far apart that it's not like I have time to devote every single day to machine quilting, and that's my issue. So, I mean, I I loved hand quilting, and I used to do it all the time, but that at the time, I had small kids, and so I could just fit it in in front of the TV or whatever. It wasn't interrupting anyone. Right. Yeah, and that makes sense. I understand that. Um, I, I don't want to bring needles around my children. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, my oldest, yeah. is totally insane. And so I insane meaning like super energetic. And although, you know, I have had her sit on my lap as I use the sewing machine mm-hmm. and I am very careful as to where she's putting her hands and I make sure she knows and I explain it maybe 20 times throughout the experience that, you know, you can put your hands here, but this is the bad spot. Mm-hmm. Um so I I think also, you know, like your your background where you came from has a lot to do with it. So I don't hand sew or hand quilt when my kids are up, um, partly because I just 
really want to focus on it. Like I feel like I feel like it's not quality time with my quilting, I guess. And you're gotcha. really you're really good with quilting with kids, yes. sewing with kids. And so I thought that was really funny because I actually would sit my like 2, 3-year-old son on my lap while I was quilting. Mm-hmm. And so he would help pull out the needle. Yeah, and I think that's awesome. He and would I, unthread it every single time. Oh, see. Time. And this is where I lose my mind. <laughs> I can't I do, do it. That. No. I can't see the eye to thread it anymore. <laughs> so I think that's my biggest issue, you know. But I think it takes a special type of person to be able to do that because to me, I would just I think I would totally freak out. See, I can't have I, you doing this. I yeah. love right? having creative time with kids. To me, that is more fun than any of the inconvenience that I experience of, you know, them doing things wrong or having to unsew something. And this kind of thing is what makes us grow as, you know, in our individual quilting mm-hmm. lives, I think, because hearing that, it's like, okay, I, I probably should, you know, extend my patience a little bit more, like maybe, you know, try, try it. Just I don't know it. that it's extending your patience. <laughs> it's maybe finding projects that they can handle. Yeah. See, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm really glad my kids are big enough that I don't have, you don't have to worry about <laughs> it. You don't have to do that, that anymore. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I think we could talk about our passion for quilting till the end of time. Yes. Right? I think so. <laughs> but unfortunately, we only have a limited amount of time for our podcast. But we'll be back next time to have another rousing discussion about quilting and everything we love about it. And all the controversial bits, too. Oh, yeah. Every time, (laughs) fine finishes, controversy. You're lucky that we didn't, you know, start throwing down right now. (laughs) (laughs) We all came to an agreement. Well, thank you both. It's always fun. It is. I love being here. I do, too. Yeah, it's fun talking to you guys. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Quilting Company Podcast. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today by visiting our show notes page at quiltingcompany.com slash quiltpodcast. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends. And thanks for listening. Happy quilting. The Quilting Company Podcast is a production of F&W Media Studios. Our editorial director is Trisha Patterson. Our consulting producer is Ron Doyle. Our audio engineer and editor is Evan Rutherford. And our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.